0: Hello, my name is Alex Gilliard, and this is an episode from the Mittal Institute's conference on Hinduism in Nepal, featuring Axel McHill's lecture, The Meaning of the Meaninglessness of Rituals. Um, I want to talk today on a topic on which, I believe it or not, I have never talked before, the, namely the meaning of the meaninglessness of rituals, Neva and Pavatiya life cycle rituals. Um, I have worked on uh, rituals for the last maybe 20, 25 years, and uh, published quite widely on that. Uh, But I always avoided to talk about this topic, because it is a crucial one. There is a seminal article of uh, Fritz Stahl. It is a highly debated one. And um, it is also a little bit risky. But then I thought, why not talking here about this uh, um, and picking it up again? Um, I rely on field work and textual work that I have done together with uh, Nils uh, Guthrow um, <clears throat> on these life cycle rituals of the Nevas, mostly Hindus but also Buddhists. Um, and I think it is the only study, three books, where, where all the life, almost all the life cycle rituals have been uh, covered by a detailed description. Mm by editing the texts that are used during the ritual, the uh, paratis and vidis uh, that are used in these rituals, and also by filming the events. So at least uh, half, if not much more, what I'm saying I owe to Nils. And then at the end of our uh, ritual studies program, which went on for 12 years, I thought of putting it all together in this book, uh, Homo Rituales, Um, And that is, um, I I dared to write a a, a, a kind of uh, ritual theory based on this material, but also based on on an emic theory, namely the theory of uh, purva mimosa. I will come back uh, to that later. Um, I start with a famous quotation by uh, Jack Goody. By ritual, we refer to a category of standardized behavior, or custom, in which the relationship between means and ends is not intrinsic. That is to say either irrational or non-rational. Jack Woody wrote this in 1961, long ago before before, uh, Fritz Stahl said, ritual has no meaning, goal, or aim. this is, so to say, the starting point for, of my uh, talk, and let's see whether that is uh, true or not. I have um, uh, six uh, chapters or six sections. Um, on this, uh, first one has to say what one means when one talks about ritual. This will not take much time. Then I want to take about the variation in Neva li- uh, life cycle rituals. which is crucial for saying whether a ritual has a meeting or many meanings or or whatever. And uh, also important in this context are the building blocks that are in different rituals, not only life cycle rituals. And uh, finally, mm, uh, I come to the main argument uh, of whether many meanings means no meaning. And in the fifth uh, section, I will try uh, to develop my own ideas on on that. Before I c- uh, uh, close with a short summary. Okay, let's start with the components um, of uh, the ritual, or of uh, ritual, um, in order to differentiate rituals from other events that also have. Uh, Criteria by which ritual normally is defined, namely repetitiveness, formality, and such things, we we must be sure that uh, ritual is a category, category a unique uh, category, and different f- from a play, festival, theater, routine, sports, or celebration, or, um, or, and so on. If we, uh, ritual itself is a term that only developed uh, in the 19th uh, century as a, as a theoretical category. Before, before uh, humanity lived quite well without having a cover term for what we now understand uh, as ritual. But the same is true for uh, for the Indian context. Here are some uh, uh, terms that. Uh, that I use normally and that we understand as ritual, which, but which are quite quite different. Of course, karma from kr to do, to do is, or kriya, is a very important thing. Mangala is an early term which uh, uh, already appears in the Ashoka inscriptions. Samskara for life cycle rituals, uh, kalpa for any kind of ritual activity, puja for worship, yagya, yaga for uh, sacrifice, and utsava for festival. I could now go on and explain these terms in in detail, but I I will refrain from that because most important is that uh, there is no cover term for ritual in the the Indian context as well. So when we talk about ritual, we have to define it. And I call it by these uh, four uh, categories or four um, uh, components. The first one is framing. Rituals are marked. They, they start and they end at a certain point. And this is itself a ritual element. Of course, formality, that is clear. Repetitiveness, uh, publicity, variation, and performativity, these are the main points of any de- definition of ritual, except perhaps publicity. And I argue that... Uh, uh, Rituals are always public, even if they are celebrated in secret. But in principle, they are public because one can repeat them. Anybody else can, uh, in theory, uh, repeat them. Modality rituals do focus on uh, more individual rituals, like life cycle rituals or more collective rituals. And uh, what I also consider important in this, uh, in this are the transcending qualities, which I call call religio, or in in, uh, purva mimosa it is uh, a similar term, apurva. And finally, with rituals, something happens. There is a kind of transformation, especially in life cycle rituals, uh, confirmation or change of identity, role, status, or authority. Let me give you just a few examples on that. Uh, One is... Uh, the framing uh, any ritual uh, starts with a samskar, uh, samkalpa in in the Hindu context, also in the Buddhist uh, context. That means the the priest, instead of the sacrificer or the organizer or the main person of the ritual, speaks what will, uh, speaks out what will happen, and he speaks it sometimes in the I form for his. Uh, Patron. Yeah, uh, for instance, in, during Shivaratri, uh, the Vyasa in Benares, he says, I will stay a week, I will fast. Yeah? <laughs> but he means the patron uh, in, in this context. Um, or you have it in here on, no, let me see whether I, here, uh, the, the horoscope and the site, the uh, uh, auspicious moment is marked in the be- beginning at the wall so that people uh, know what actually is, when it starts. And the end is, is not so clearly uh, marked as the beginning, but the beginning it is very well so. And that is also important because ritual actions are uh, mostly everyday actions. Uh, drinking, eating, speaking, or whatever. To make them uh, uh, extraordinary actions, you have to separate them from the sphere of uh, everyday life. Mm. In the framing, it, this is also important. I would not, uh, found this in a church, a Christian church in, um, in Goa. Uh, Holy communion is not a prasad. Non-Christians are not allowed to receive Holy Communion. When a priest or an authorized uh, minister distributes Holy Communion, non-Christians should not approach him to receive Holy Communion. It's it's quite funny because many Hindus thought, oh, that is Prasad, what he's distributing. The actions are very similar, but in order to make it different, one had to explain it. One had to give it a certain uh, meaning. Now, components of rituals uh, also concern the modality. If you look at this here, um, you see that... uh, uh, In one uh, ritual, what I call individualitas could be stronger. In another one, the societas and also the religio aspect can be stronger or or, or weaker. And you see it in the rituals. In this ritual, on the left, it is an anaprasana, the first rice rice feeding ceremony. Um, And there, the child is in the focus, in the center. On the right hand, you also have little children the uh, Ihi uh, ritual, but it is a collective ritual. It is mostly celebrated together. Uh, several girls uh, come together. And then the um, transformation aspect, um, as you see here in, a, in the Upanayana ceremony of Ratabanda, as one prefers to say in Nepal, of a twice-born Parvatiya. By the way, Michael, this is the son of Kalikota. You remember <laughs> uh, um, the uh, the boy is sitting f- for the last time on the lap of, a, of uh, um, his mother. They are taking together food, and through, through the initiation, he is transformed. And then, uh, in between, there is this uh, famous liminal phase uh, where he goes to Benares, this Dashnara ceremony, and then uh, in the end. He comes back in mundane clothing and as a b- member of uh, the caste or, or, or the clan. All these categories, and I could demonstrate it, make differences. And uh, in, in, in all these other things, you would not find all these components. In sports, for instance, this is an uh, interesting thing, sports um, has not, does not have this uh, religio aspect, this transcending aspect, this transformational aspect. But sometimes it is not so clear. If you, look at, uh, if you think of the rowing race between Oxford and Cambridge, it is more or less a ritual it is, because it has already this. It is much more than who is the winner. It, 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 it uh, contributes to the aura of these two uh, universities and so on. But let's not go into details. The the, the 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 most interesting question is to what extent can now uh, uh, rituals vary or to what extent have do they have to be the same mm, i will try try to um point this out by uh, uh, referring first to the life cycle rituals as uh, as a collective uh, um, collective events um, as you can see here in a very nice uh, uh, padati handbook um, from, from, from Nepal which starts with the birth. It looks quite sad, this birth uh, celebration then the marriage. Then, and here you can see that this is probably from the Neva side, uh, the, he becomes a Buddhist monk. Uh, then already he is old, the Janku uh, ceremony. And what is the uh, there? Uh, yes, then he dies and then there is the Shada uh, ceremony. But this is only the circle the uh, of the the uh, of the of the rituals. There are many, many more. Mm, and I will not go into the details of all this. But I and because I have put that on a an handout and if you like you can look at it. Okay, uh, if Fritz Stahl says rituals do, do not have any aim or goal, and we look at this, we will immediately see that rituals do have a certain aim or goal. It is very clear. It is uh, clear clear from the name. Yeah, um, name giving is uh, the purpose of this uh, uh, ritual. Nama karma is. That uh, uh, the child is individualized; that it gets a name. That happens after some time, because in previous time, as in ancient Rome, yeah, only when the Familias took up the child, uh, it got a name. It it was accepted because one couldn't, uh, one didn't know uh, whether the child would, uh, the newborn would survive or not um or number number six what i mentioned before the first feeding of solid food, cooked rice yeah is making it a social member of the um of the nevas in this case or <coughs> uh, or opening the throat is to make the uh, the child speaking and wise and learning um <coughs> it is clearly said as such so To say that that there are no meanings is is somehow uh, uh, ridiculous. But Fritz Stahl was not stupid. Mm, Just to uh, uh, comment a little bit from 18 onwards and also on the next page, all these rituals in bold are uh, death rituals on which Niels will speak uh, later this day. Mm, uh, So... Fritz Stahl was not stupid. Why did he say that? And it is clear when we go to the details. Um, And I think I would, in order uh, to save time, to focus just on the uh, puberty and adolescence rights. We have here these uh, things which are part of the 16 uh, samskaras, the 16 uh, life cycle rituals classical life cycle rituals in brackets, um, and, uh, uh, and uh, together with Nevari or Nepali terms. Mm. And here, suddenly, you realize that it might be a different, a difference whether it is an initiation with the holy thread of, uh, among the Parbatia, or whether it, uh, it is a monastic initiation. Mm, or, or an initiation of a Japu of a farmer, uh, the role of the holy threat is completely different, as I will uh, try to show. We have a lot of these kind of building blocks, and you f- also find it on the list, and I cannot uh, time, that, it's not enough for that, to comment on that, but all these uh, uh, building blocks or rithems, as I I call it, are appearing not just in one uh, ritual, but in many rituals, and not only in um, initiation rituals, but also in other rituals. And that I would like to demonstrate by, by coming to the next section. Apparently, the same ritual can have different meanings. It is a difference whether you are initiated into a a caste or into a clan, Hindu initiation, or into a sangha. Uh, In the Buddhist case, it is a a difference, although the rituals themselves might look (coughs) quite uh, similar. Here you have some of these. uh, elements that you find in all these rituals, for instance, in this case, yeah, the pratishtha, the throwing of puffed rice on uh, on somebody, yeah, you find it in uh, in many uh, rituals. So, what is the meaning of this? Of course, the general answer is, oh, it is well-wishing, welfare, and uh, and whatever, yeah, auspiciousness and prosperity. Yeah, when you don't know what the meaning of a ritual is, you come to these uh, to to these things. It, or this one yeah uh, this grinding of uh, uh, what is black soya beans no Nils? and or or lentils sometimes some people say it is to ward off the evil uh, yeah some people it is again uh, it is for prosperity and 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 so on or this uh, 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 ritual element throwing uh, flowers uh, on somebody out of a measuring vessel in which are key keys, iron keys. Yeah, you can see it a little bit. Yeah, here you have it in a in a ritual of a of a Japu, on the left side, uh, but also uh, by, by uh, among the farmers, uh, the potters in the Prajapatis. Uh, in 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 in, in Bhaktapur. if we now look at, at uh, initiation rituals then and, and ask what do they have in common it is the sex mostly male but also girls are in a way initiated I leave that out the age of the initiate they are in adolescence uh, there is a fire there is the tonja there is the, the marking of the forehead the tikka the involvement of the maternal uncle, the sacred threat, the equipping of the initiate with paraphernalia of an ascetic, and putting on new cloths, inviting new relatives, and in the end, a common uh, or a communal meal. But if we look at the details, things become different. The fire is not the, fi- uh, the fire. Here, we have the fire of the Bratabandha ceremony which is an elaborate uh, arena uh, um, uh, yeah, with um, the fire, which is, has not yet been lit in, in the middle. And <clears throat> here we have the fire in a Buddhist uh, uh, initiation ritual of a Vajracharya, where it is a homa, and uh, but Michael, together with Payne, has edited a wonderful book on on the Homa ritual and shown how how, how far it travelled up, uh, up to Japan, uh, where you also find this Homa ritual, and, and and back to the West. Now you can have Homa rituals in, but Meinberg in Germany or wherever, and probably also in Boston. And uh, so it is uh, something that is uh, uh, these ritual elements it is an example for ritual elements that can easily travel uh, across regions, across social groups, across religions, yeah? uh, And what makes them so strong to do that? Or do we, to we to look at another example, the Tonja. Again, on the left side we have the uh, Pabatiya initiation ritual. Uh, the maternal uncle cuts the hair, the first cut he makes, yeah and then he's anointed by his uh, sisters when that has been taken uh, has taken place but what is important is what all, also, what you can also see in in the case of a japu farmer uh, initiation in uh, uh, in in bhaktapur. The tuft is left, yeah. In both these cases. Now, if you think that the tuft is something for the twice-born, uh, this case here is makes you uh, uh, wondering, no, because the Japu is not a twice-born in the Brahmanic uh, view. And then, if you look at the in the Buddhist case, of course, many of you know that. Uh, yeah, this stuffed is cut by the, the the elder, the clan elders, uh, and uh, the little boy becomes a monk. That is, so to say, the main difference in in the rituals, where many other steps are very similar. Or let us uh, finally look at at the sacred thought. Now, the Yajñopavita, the Janai, in this case, in the Pavatiya case, is very important. It's, it comes with a lot of symbolism. And the main priest, Brahman priest, is explaining is to the initiate. And uh, it is through this that he becomes a twice-born. If we look again at the um, Japu case, the the little boy also gets a a sacred thread, but it is uh, uh, around the hip. But it is not just a, a profane uh, threat to, uh, yeah, uh, to bind the loincloth. The, the loin it is also worshipped at the knot and at the hip. Again, we have the, the uh, uh, same or very similar element, and, um, uh, but the, the meaning, uh, so to say, is uh, completely uh, different in this case of the sacred thread of a parbatia it comes along with the veda the boy gets taught the veda here under a blanket yeah uh, in a very very condensed form uh, Veda's, uh 10 3 62 or 3 10 10 3, 62, no uh, it, it, the uh, Savitri him uh, he gets taught, and then he is qualified uh, to uh, yeah, to go or to, uh, you have seen that already to go uh, to Benares, which is a playful thing that is um, uh, uh, that is he has to leave the, the compound, and the maternal ankle has to catch him. but this ritual again you will find among the Chitrakas, for instance, we have seen it no in, uh, in, in Bhaktapur. Where it doesn't play this role of going to Benares, it is a kind of joyful element, uh, without with that meaning of this 12-year leaning, learning, which traditionally one has to do. And the final, the final, I can also move here forward no? Yeah. And the final thing is the saptapadi. You have here. The initiate, the Buddhist initiate, little Vatracharya, has to make seven steps. They are declared as the first seven steps the Buddha made after birth. Now you find it also in the in in the, in the in the marriage ritual, and there they are declared the first seven joined steps in the in a in a marriage that the couple goes together. But they don't do the steps together. No, <laughs> so uh, it has completely different meanings. Well, there are others. I. I skipped that. Let's come to the theory. And i give you a quote which summarizes what I said. And you see, it's not, uh, uh, my, um, it's not, not from me uh, what I said. The same rite, remaining absolutely the same, can change its meaning depending on its position, it is given in a ceremony, or whether it is part of one ceremony or another. The aspersion rite is a fecundity rite in marriage ceremony but an expulsion rite in separation ceremonies. And this is from von Gennep, von who wrote this book, uh, The Re- uh, Rites of Passage, de Passage, in 1909. He didn't get famous for that uh, until um, Victor Turner uh, made it public and took his ideas uh, in his book in 1979, I think, The Ritual Process. Uh, Van Gennep actually was only for one and a half year a professor in Fribourg in Switzerland. Uh, he got a devastating review by Marcel Mauss in the Année Sociologique, Sociologie- and he was so frustrated by that that he left university and uh, 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 established a chicken farm. He, he became a chicken farmer. And after that, he wrote about 150 articles on folklore, but he never got really Acknowledged uh, for his uh, now quite famous book, and then there was Fritz Stahl. this is by the way, a photo uh, when I saw him last in in, uh, in Heidelberg at uh, our conference on uh, rituals. Here are some of the uh, <laughs> famous uh, quotations he, does, he stahl didn 't uh, deny that rituals have uh, useful side effects but th- um, he called it side effects, but not the meaning of a ritual. Instead, he said, the meaninglessness of it explains the variety of meaning attached to it. So he says many meanings means meaningless. Mm. It is only a small step from changing meaning to no intrinsic meaning and a structural meaning, and from there to no meaning. Here you see also in the wording uh, <coughs> that he, he is very close uh, to Jack Udy. And then rituals uh, um, are primary and pure activity without function, aim, or uh, goal. And finally, the chief provider of meaning being religion. uh, Ritual became involved with religion and through this association meaningful. Now, he was uh, heavily criticized, especially for for this evolutionary theory, for two theories actually. One is the the evolutionary theory theory, that he said first was ritual that had no meaning. It was pure activity. And then came religion, and religion attached meaning to uh, uh, ritual. And if you take out religion, it is, again, pure activity. This kind of evolutionary theory is um, a, a kind of biological reductionism, and is based on evolutionary uh, speculations that almost everybody has refused. The other theory is based on his linguistic theory, Uh, syntax without uh, semantics, Uh, as he he said. And he wrote this uh, book, Rules Without Meaning, which is a focus on the syntax of Richards. Now, again, there was a sharp criticism on that, one by uh, Penner, who, who aptly said that <laughs> syntax means um, uh, rules of signs. And when there are signs, there is meaning. There can't be any syntax without meaning. And um, I think he's completely right in that. Uh, <sighs> James Humphrey and Carrie Lightlaw, in their wonderful book, The Archetypal uh, Actions of Ritual, tried to find a, a kind of uh, middle way by uh, uh, differentiating be- between um, unintentionality and non intentionality. I quote Ritualized action is non intentional in the sense that while people performing ritual acts do have intentions, thus the actions are not unintentional, the identity of a ritualized act does not depend, as it is the case with normal action, on the agents intending in action. So he, they differentiate between the motive of an action, which must be always there, otherwise he wouldn't do it, and the meaning of the action, which can be uh, yeah, a different case. Um, we have a kind of interim result um, we can say that uh, regional p- participants, and we have seen that, must not agree on the meaning of, of an action, of the same action. They must not even know about the action. Very often they do not know, as we also do not know in, in other contexts uh, very often why this is done, and yet we do it. And they can perform the rituals thus without any meaning, and they're very fine with that. And this um, kind of result you also find in uh, in more more or less clearly formulated in different contexts. There is this um, uh, nice uh, longish article of uh, Alexis Sanderson who 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 likes to write long articles, like Michael Witzel, <laughs> uh, uh, on rituals in Kashmiri Shaivism. These rituals are performed in explicit opposition to, Vedic, uh, uh, to the Vedic meaning of, of them. And they are performed with clear goals, um, liberation, moksha, or desire for uh, supernatural powers and effects, siddhi, in order to enjoy, no, there should be a comma, or to enjoy rewards, boga, in this world or after death. That is formulated clearly in the text. Um, And there are other more uh, worldly um, objectives, the killing of enemies, the subjugation of, of a desired woman, or the quelling of dangerous powers. However, if uh, through uh, actions, uh, ritual actions or spiritual actions, all impurity (mala) has been destroyed, the sadaka must continue to carry out the rituals of destroying impuri- impurity. So, if the if the impurity has been destroyed for a sadaka, why, why should he continue? To perform the rituals. And the answer is he must do it without attaching any meaning to them. Uh, because then the bondage of Maya would resist. That means he must perform them ex opere operato. And with this, we are in the middle of what I consider to be the most important element in. Rituals. The rituals must be done because they have to be done, no matter what people think, believe, or want. And in a way, this could be the meaning of the meaninglessness of the ritual. It was already uh, uh, phrased by Roy Rappaport. In the following words, it seems apparent that ritual is not simply an alternative way to express any manner of thing, but that certain meanings and effects can best or even only be expressed or or achieved in ritual. He says there is a sphere where you go with rituals, um, and that is a special sphere. uh, And the most important thing in this sphere is that it is not uh, yeah. loaded with um, things you can reach in, in a, uh, through other means. So what I'm saying is, rituals are indeed without meaning, but this is very meaningful in the sense of significant fact. Three arguments back this uh, point rituals are intrinsically connected with the notion of changelessness, which one many people believe that rituals are never changed, although in fact they are very often changed. Adi mm. in in Nepali that you hear in this in, in this in this context um, yeah uh, and the reason for that is social and cultural coherence. You need something to as a point of reference, which is tradition. Uh, can be t- tradition, heritage, uh, and so on, to, uh, in, in order uh, to have this uh, coherence. There are uh, second, uh, good reasons for societies to refer to this claim of invariability. Uh, phylogenetically, it, was, uh, 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 it guaranteed stability through, uh, through the generations. Psychologically, it is useful also for us, for everybody not always uh, to know why one should do things. Uh, yeah, it is very strenuous if you always would uh, would uh, have to know why it is so, uh, and uh, socially for the same reason. And with rituals, especially with life-like rituals, humans resist the uncertainty of past and future, and in the end of life and death. Um, this meaning of the meaninglessness, you find already articulated, although in a, in a completely different context, in, a, uh, in the Purva Mimosa theory of uh, meaninglessness. I summarize it very briefly, and it is actually uh, too brief if I do it in that way. But Let's start with the first point. Dharma is eternal. That is the first definition in the uh, uh, yeah in the Mimamsa Sutras. It is defined by injunctions from the eternal Veda, which was is which is Yeah, it is not human. It is uh, has been there always, and it is it is articulated in words which are not neither words by the humans nor by gods. This is the uh, the changelessness in the whole thing. And this dharma is, in ritual, uh, equated with yagya. That means an an action enjoined on a person who wants to attain heaven or who wants to attain um, dharma. This notion of dharma is different from what you know from uh, law law and uh, dharma shastra and so on. Svarga kamo yajeda. Who wants to reach the, feb- uh, the heaven has to uh, sacrifice. The sacrifice needs uh, rules and regulations. Jodana um, vidi, and the effect of an injunction is created through some motivation to act, or the activity that brings something to existence. It is bavana. Uh, bavana. Um, <coughs> Which is not to uh, mix up with um, a subjective motivation—that you'd want to do something for, uh, for a certain purpose. The, the, the main thing is that bhavana is something—is itself something which is aparusheya. Yeah, it is not the, the subjective, the personal, the individual motivation that. Uh, is important for reaching svarga or for identifying or for being identified with dharma. Bhavan is something that exists out itself, and realizes in people who sacrifice. That is uh, very important. They were, the Māsakas were very clear that one has to differentiate this sphere of the changelessness from the human sphere. Whenever too much from the human sphere comes into this changelessness, uh, changeless sphere, there is death, because humans are defined by being um, mortal. There are a lot of technical problems which I will skip. For instance, what do you do if there is a variation, if there is a singular in a, in a ritual, but you have a dual uh, of uh, uh, gods, yeah. Can you change it or not, and so on? They have solved all all these technical problems. Um, I just mentioned, mentioned that uh, this modification, Uha, and so on. Uh, and then, in the end, it is apurva, something literally which wasn't there before. Apurva is, is not a term from the purva mimasa, as far as I know. Uh, but from later, mimosa, but in uh, in principle and Cluny, it has shown that it uh, has qu- quite clear it is the unseen result or efficacy of sacrifices, something that is happening, uh, no matter whether you see it or not. Uh, it might also happen in in your next life, but whenever you do a ritual, a vedic ritual in the prop Appropriate way, in the prescribed way, there's no doubt that, they, that there is a result. But this result is independent of what humans intend to be a result. This is a <laughs> very, very interesting theory, and it's a shame that this theory has not been considered in ritual uh, C so far. Let me summarize. Um, The meaninglessness of rituals only concerns the invariability of prescribed actions and the polysemy of uh, rituals. That means the multiplicity of uh, meanings. There can be a lot of meanings, and there is actually no no uh, ritual with such meanings. Uh, And that is why that rituals have a great variety of meanings and functions. However... If rituals would be completely without function, not meaning, it would be unnecessary to transmit them. And that means that the significance of rituals lies in the fact that they often create an erratic sphere or arena of timelessness and immortality. And finally, seen from this point of view, rituals can indeed do without any specific meaning. But this in itself is not meaningless. It is without significance. Thank you very much. I think I talked too much.